Zelda has been inspired to wipe out war, famine, or take a bite out of crime. She just can't make her mind up. I'm awfully sorry, but I feel like dealing with crime would have been easier to deal with than war. So yeah. if you're going to deal with what you take a bite out of war or deal with crime, it should be the other way around. Mm. Just fact. No, no, Move no, on. no, Move no. On. That, that's true. That's true. It's always nice to know the nutritional value of uh, of uh, world issues. Yes, yes. Which one should I take a bite out of? Which one should I eradicate? Which one should I avoid? Okay, so famine, war, crime. Chris, snog, marry, or avoid? <laughs> okay, I would. Uh, <laughs> I would probably snog, famine. <laughs> I mean, every answer is ridiculous. I don't know, I don't know why. <laughs> it's not famine! <laughs> but, uh... Hello and welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three luscious and lovely looking lords review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. My name is Phil, a delicious host of this wonderful podcast, and I'm joined by three beautiful boys I like to call my most wonderful friends. Three? Three? Very nice. You finally included Colin in the uh, in the <laughs> yeah. intro. Well, that's but, uh... that, that's the point. Oh, right. Colin, Colin is the is the voice no one hears, and we only talk about him when we try and make a joke about him. But yeah, he's our ghost producer, right. or Ned Candell if he's uh, yes. sticking around for the entire. Um, yeah, yeah, Ned Candell. Is Colin present. has been possessed by the spirit of Ned Candell uh, throughout the whole run of this uh, this show. So uh... <laughs> he was responsible for conjuring up the ghost during Are You Afraid yes, of the Dark? Exa- exactly, you see, because Colin had control over it. He did. That's how it works. So yeah. the beautiful voices come from uh, two beautiful boys. Uh, they are Mr. Graham Riley. Hello, Graham. Hi. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, thank you very much. I learned a valuable lesson. From this uh, this episode, was it the fact that we've not seen each other's chins for about five years? <laughs> well, that, and also, I learned because you know when, when you're when you're as uh, good looking as I am, you know you, you you can you can forget what's really important. Yes, that it's what's inside that counts. Yes, and I I, I was reminded because you know I'm, I'm I'm a very good looking person. I only mix with other beautiful people such as yourselves. Oh. It's easy to. Get caught up in you know our world of absolute beauty and physical perfection, and forget that inside we are just rotten husks of men. We need to reconnect with 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 what really matters, and yes. I'm going to resolve to do that after today. Oh, excellent! Well, I look forward to that, and hopefully, uh, a man taking a similar journey is the second beautiful boy, is Mr. Chris Evans. Hello, Chris. Hello, darlings. How are you, my friend? I am delightful. I'm going to still have <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm good. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Have you? Are you hoping to take a similar journey to to Graham? No. Well, we've taken a very similar journey because uh, he's given me a lift home. <laughs> ah, so, right, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that journey. But no, no, I'm, well, I, well, I, I didn't. I didn't learn a lesson. I knew that lesson. Therefore, I've learnt nothing. So, as a beautiful human being, are I am you, sexy. Yes. Are you going to be looking inside yourself, going, you know what? It's the beauty inside that counts. Not this. Not this gorgeous, radiant face that I have. It's the people appreciate the beauty within. Well, first of all, if I was going to look inside myself, I'd need to, a scalpel, and it'd be very painful. So I'd really rather not. Are you willing for a doctor to to look inside the real beauty within yourself? Only if it is medically necessary. And they're trained, of course. <laughs> 
Well, if they're if they've got doctor in front of their name, then yeah, yes. they should be trained. I'm talking about Doctor Robotnik. He was he was a doctor. He had a PhD in robotics. Doctor Utka. Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. Has I'm he got sure. a doctorate in pizza and yogurt? Yeah, yes. I reckon so. Uh, yeah, no, the, the, this episode that we are chatting about today is episode 10. It's entitled Sabrina and the Beast. What a handsome beast it is too. Uh, in this episode, uh, Sabrina gets very... Uh, she becomes very shallow, doesn't she, boys? She does, yeah. And she... she re- Well, she doesn't realise. She claims that it's only the outside beauty that really matters. So when Harvey turns into a man-beast, she struggles to continue falling in love with him. And if ever there is a period in your life where you are that shallow, it is during your adolescence. Yes, it is. And that's kind of unfortunate because you're never grosser than when you're in your adolescence as well. There was a point in this episode where I really thought she'd gone off the deep end and descended into that that Sabrina that occasionally rears her ugly on the inside head, uh, where we just do not approve of her actions at all and can't even root for her learning her lesson she is just being a dick but I, th- I think she just about stayed on the right side of that I just want to raise issue with something that Graham said he said that during your adolescence that's the most disgusting time for you as a, as yeah. a person I- I'd argue it's when you're a baby and you shit yourself or when it's hot and you shit yourself Chris <laughs> <laughs> I, I, actually, I would say your I would say your elderly years are when you're grossest. Because when you're baby, yeah, you're shitting yourself and you're vomiting, but everyone thinks you cute. Everyone, everyone thinks it's cute, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's true. When, when you, <laughs> oh, look at the baby shitting himself. We don't go, oh, look at Granddad pooing himself. Yeah. <laughs> oh. when, you're na- when you yeah, when you're nineteen, you shit yourself. Just like, oh, Granddad, not again. You know, it's so, so yeah. Okay, uh, that's fair. I think we've settled that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but a lot, a lot of greasy, hairy alarming things do happen to you in your teenage years. Yeah, I mean, there's a good quote from Zelda in this episode where uh, Sabrina is, um, is is saying, like, oh my god, Harvey's turned into a man-beast, and Zelda says, he's 17, I think he's on track. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's... Do you think this episode is a metaphor for, for puberty? I think so. I think it's, uh... Yeah. Something which would be an important message to impart upon the target audience who, don't forget, would be, because the grossest bit of your teenage years, because by, by the time you're 17, you are still going through changes, you are still becoming a man or a woman, but you're starting to level off, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You're on the, on the home stretch to adulthood. The grossest bit of your teenage years is very definitely the ages of 13 to 15, when it's all starting to happen. Yeah. And as we've said before, the target audience of this show isn't people who are the age of Sabrina and Harvey and the gang. It's people who are... Yeah, that, that 10 to 15 bracket, I think. The, more, the tweens. The tweens, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. More so. So, you know, they were probably going through these changes and they were probably thinking, oh, I'm hideous, or, you know, or oh, that, that guy or that girl, you know, I thought she was so lovely or he was so lovely, and, you know, now all of a sudden they've got zits everywhere and all this. and They've got an unexplainable hump on the back. Yeah, yeah and I was like, well, that happens. That's normal, and they're still lovely people. So I think it was an important lesson to give to the youth. The Australian pickup trucks that are watching this show. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, boys, we might as well uh, jump her right into this one. Uh, the episode opens on Sabrina doing a pre-mirror gag. Mirror gag. Fuming at how dishevelled her hair looks. Oh, boys. Uh, she throws a slicery cap into Hilda's groin and conjures up Jose Eber. Hey, if he can make Farrah Fawcett, Elizabeth Taylor, and even Cher look fabulous, the Spellmans will be a snip. So this guy's a celebrity hairdresser. He is. He's one of the most famous uh, celebrity hairdressers throughout the course of like the 70s, 80s and 90s. So still very much towards the end of his prime here. Would you argue that he is the original celebrity hairdresser? Ooh. 
Quite possibly. Yeah, either him or Vidal Sassoon. Yeah, mm. he was the sort of person where, um, where if you wanted your hair done, you had to book it months, maybe even years in advance. Wow. I mean, because everyone's going to need a haircut, so it doesn't really matter when. But she just got him right on cue. Just like that. $1,000 a day is uh, a, An hour. An hour, sorry. An hour, man. My God. A grand an hour. But he has to cut above the rest. Yeah. <sighs> a lot of jokes to come through uh, in this episode. Feel that joke blows. But, um... <laughs> uh, anyway, the tiles roll, and she's dressed as a flower. And she says, Can you see me? Can you see me? She shouldn't say that yeah. at all. Can you see me? <laughs> can we, you and we can. So it's a fact. <laughs> and we like facts. Great gag. Anyway. Can you see me? say my. The titles roll. The titles roll, and she's dressed as a flower. Can you see my roots? She says. A flower pun. And a continuous hairdressing joke. Perfect. That's all we ask. It's not the greatest pun in the world, but it works. And it follows on from what we've just seen. That's what we like. This should either follow on from what we've just seen or allude to what we are about to see. So I think that's as on the nose. Bang, bang, bang. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Pass from us. Well done. To quote Chris Evans, fucking A. Fucking A. Fucking A. In the kitchen and Sabrina's <laughs> hair is fabulous, whilst Hilda is looking flabulous. Because she's training for a decathlon. Ah. See, see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. See, as we develop as podcasts in terms of talking, I develop as a podcast in terms of writing jokes in or attempting to write jokes in. Yeah. Let's go with that second one. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy. I very, very much enjoyed the subplot here with with Hilda and Salem, and uh, the uh, demonic entity that we're about to meet. Yes. Uh, but, however, not very character consistent. Hilda would not enter a decathlon. Hilda would not give a shit. Zelda might, but like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think Hilda really would go in for the whole sort of exercise. Well, I don't know. I mean, of... in 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 season two. Um, she joined a gym just to chat up a juice boy so I like to think that she's putting effort into a decathlon to maybe become famous from it or because there's lots of cute guys in tight running shorts I, th- I think you find I believe money and fame money and fame yeah were mentioned because that, I mean, that's what Salem mm. wants to have it. Salem wants to be her coach and who wouldn't want him dressed like that like a jockey yeah well Hilda wouldn't want him dressed like that uh, because he says being a uh, a winning coach in the other realm yeah gets you fame and lots of money yeah so that that explains it that's why Salem's doing it but yeah I kind of thought it was an odd thing for, for Hilda but I mean you know what maybe maybe she's at that witching age where she thinks to herself you know what if I carry on this way I'm not going to be healthy in my older witching years I have to do something about it it could be that it could be her midlife crises could be yeah well she you know if, if she doesn't book her ideas and change her exercise regime she's gonna she's gonna you know dig herself into an early grave and that's a grave wasted that could be used for more bodies yeah and doing a decathlon she'll at some point during that uh, contest have command of a javelin oh <laughs> sure yes. she'll really enjoy it, so. <laughs> yeah and uh, and, yeah. A, and a um Fuck what they call shop put. Shop put, yeah. She could um, make human kebabs. Yes. Oh. Zelda comes in humming and looking uh, not smelling, but uh, Zelda comes in <laughs> <laughs> Let's clear that up. She's just she's just humming. She's humming nicely. Zelda comes in humming and looking totally uplifted because she attended a lecture by a certain Susie. Someone so inspirational she convinced Salem to stop killing for sport. Wow. Wait, wait, was he 
killing animals for sport or human for sport. Maybe instead in the Salem origins, we picture him in a forest hunting elk. Okay. And and no, hunting squirrels to begin with, and then slowly build up on the animal chain. We get like a taste for it, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, until he's killed like the biggest animal, and he's the best hunter in the world, and then he starts killing mortals. Or he goes on a hunting party with a load of mortals into the woods. They think they're hunting elk, and then he's like, the prey oh. is actually you, Ron. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Susie apparently is Sabrina's Uncle Clyde's illegitimate daughter, who just so happens to be visiting on Friday. So finally, boys, a bit of progression. Yes. Not had much of it in the past couple of episodes, but yeah, some progression's coming our way. Uh, it's a welcome to season three, boys, to the slicery! Hey! And more importantly, it's proprietor. Yes, yes. Miss, uh, Mrs. Papowski is also back, uh, which is uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, I also noticed that they keep calling her Mrs. Papowski. She's always been known as Mrs. Papowski. However, on IMDb and in the credits, she's known as Mrs. Grant. Oh. What? Yeah. That's very strange. Even on the credits, like, of, oh, of this episode. It's, an, it, it's a complete joke. Think about it. Mrs. Papowski calls Sabrina and Valerie by different names, so they're calling Mrs. Papowski by a different name. So her actual name's Mrs. Grant. They're having a laugh, boys. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I. Give me another explanation. <laughs> they just. They. They've done. Well, they've done this about two or three times already. Just names that don't make sense. And in we had the Greek or Turkish exchange boy who was called multiple names. I don't have another explanation to give you, Chris. But maybe. The listeners out there do, because we've got some hardcore Sabrina heads listening to us. So let us know, is Chris correct in his theory of uh, the misnaming of Mrs. Popowski? Yes. We don't want to do all the Googling for fuck's sake, so, you know. Drop us a line. Hashtag Fred! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, speaking on that continuity, yes. uh, When uh, Sabrina is looking fly and Harvey is looking by, because he's wearing a garish outfit. I love it. I want it. <laughs> it's an outfit he picked out himself because his mom is too busy being pregnant to shop for him. Ah, whenever they do the sort of character dressing badly thing, though, with with nineties fashion being what it was, I find it impossible to tell which <laughs> yeah. outfits are supposed to be stylish and which which ones aren't. I'm sure there are people who are dressed in Sabrina in similar shows, like Harvey's dressing here, and it's supposed to be cool. I'm sure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. As far as that, my, my guideline is, if you look anything like Vanilla Ice, it's bad. Because, yeah, Vanilla Ice is very much early 90s. That was, that was, mm. that was gone by then. Yeah. But if you look like Vanilla Ice when Vanilla Ice was a thing, then you were cool. So, yeah, fashion, moved qu- fashion I guess, has always moved quickly, but I don't think they quite appreciate the fact that how fine the line between... Uh, fashionable and unfashionable is and how awful it all is <laughs> yeah. uh, looking at it now 20 years later <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah so this is when someone orders a side order of Mrs. Papowski with the meal because she's here too and still calling our beloved witch Salinas yes which perfect. is very perfect continuity uh, no Valerie although I would have liked to hear Fred but yeah Salinas very very funny uh, she tells the kids about Westbridge's Chamber of Commerce wanting attractive people to attract people into the town. So Sabrina reckons her and Harv should try it out. Libby and her latest arm candy reckon so too. So Sabrina aims to show them just how cute they can be. Yes, they're going to be in a brochure, aren't they? Yes, so that yeah, the idea is a guest to drive 
more income into the town yes, investment. by releasing a brochure of beautiful people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, no, 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 it's not a brochure of beautiful people. The front cover just has the beautiful people, and then inside it's touristy things. Okay, right. That's what it's a tourist right. brochure. Yeah. yeah. As long as you don't use Sabrina's derpy face from a few DVD menus back, yeah. mm. that'd be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, back at home and Hilda is dishing a few one-twos and Salem is dishing out a few boo-hoos because he desperately wants to be Hilda's trainer. His wish comes true, however, when Hilda uses him to get out of visiting Cousin Susie with Zelda. Now run till you bleed! He uh, shouts. Having a great, great outing in this episode. Yes. Old Salem and our, our friend Mr. Bakai. Uh, wonderful stuff. I like that um, What what is character consistent definitely is that Zelda is completely uh, enraptured with this this do-gooder uh, mm-hmm. Susie, whereas Hilda's like, oh, for fuck's sake. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, luckily, obviously, Susie is, is a nice character. She's not oh, like... Oh, yeah, Su- Susie's, Susie's great. Um, we, we meet her in a little while, but yeah. And they all do get along with it. It's not like Hilda's horrible to her, but mm-hmm. she's a lot less enthusiastic about uh, Susie's exploits. Like, yes. She finds that a lot less interesting and commendable than Zelda does which is yeah, appropriate yeah. yeah but I sort of I can see I can see Hilda's side of this because if, if you know you're going to be going to spend quite a bit of time with a ridiculously happy person it can sometimes just drive you mad yeah why think... are you so happy all the time have a moment of pure aggression and aggression just, aggression aggression and just be mean but no you're so nice and happy and nah. well that's why kind of like uh, Hilda and Zelda work well as characters because they are kind of like two sides of one person aren't they so yeah as well as happiness as well the fact that like so, someone who's someone who's done a load of worthy shit and like <laughs> what have you done and you're like I put on trousers this morning. Yeah, you know, I, I went, I, I went, I went, I went all to Africa, and I, I you know, I, I, I built a hospital for needy kids in in in, in Gambia. It's like, what did you do, Graham? I watched all the Halloween films this week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I know. I, I mean, Zelda is, I guess, it, it is an, ad, an an admirable quality to it, an admirable quality of her is that she. She's always in, easily inspired by people, yeah. which is great. She always wants to do better. This whole, Her whole subplot is about her trying to create a machine that's going to somehow save the world because Susie keeps doing that and Zelda thinks she's... She's not like... Uh, she, she feels inferior to Susie. Yeah. Not like in a bad way. She just wants to be as good, but she ne- she'll never have a bad thing said about Susie, as we find well, a Susie's little bit later. Well, an aspirational figure to yeah. her. Mm. Almost like a Mother Teresa. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Without all the horrible shit that it turns out Mother Teresa actually did. Yes. But, uh, yes. Or maybe. We, we don't know the full story with Susie. <laughs> no, we no, no, we don't. Great stuff. No, That's we don't. True. But we will meet her a bit later, so we will be introduced to her soon. Uh, the scene flips over and Serena opens the door to a poorly dressed Harvey, who is equipped with horrifically baggy jeans, which I used to own. A Hawaiian shirt, a leather jacket and a bucket hat. Looking like he just walked off the set of an Offspring video. Yes. <laughs> Very true, Yes. <laughs> Maybe this is a third, maybe fourth hat he's been in, and yeah, he still doesn't suit hats. Again, though, his original hat was supposed to be cool, but it's just as lame as the one he's wearing for comic effect here, <laughs> which further backs up my point about 90s fashion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sabrina, startled by his fashion sense, magics in some clothes for him to try on instead, and we're treated to a Harvey Quit Change fashion show montage. Then it comes to light that poor Nate Richard has a cold. 
Poor get, bloke. Get, get well soon, Nate, from 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, we flip off again to Salem, who has purchased... Who have we flipped off? Uh, we flip off again to Salem, who has purchased Hilda a Dominatron, a super-duper Robocop-esque treadmill. So we'll see how well that goes. I love the Dominatron. I love it, I, I yes. it was a great, great character. Possibly the best inanimate character that we've had so far. Uh, it had tough competition with the sofa. Oh, yeah, very much yeah, so. Very, mm. True. But this this guy doesn't have a mouth or anything, does he? He just has, he just has flashing lights when he speaks. It's <laughs> yeah. like Kit. Yeah, he well, like Kit. Well, he's like Zordon. Like, <laughs> he sounds like Zordon. But Zordon had a face. Yeah. Zordon had a face. We're on about machines now. Okay. It's like Kit. Zordon was a lad in a tube. <laughs> yeah, he was, tube he was, was a lad a man, in a tube. So. Well, no, he wasn't really a man. He was like a cocoon man. He was a tea bag with a face. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what it was. But no, he's just like, Hilder, get, get fit and healthy, Rangers. That's kind of what he sounds Level like. Level one, <laughs> complete. <laughs> That's what he sounds like. So uh, yeah, yeah, the Dominatron, we do see a lot of Dominatron. and he becomes one of the best characters in the episode. Yeah. So very, very good fun. Uh, in the kitchen, we cut to Zelda quoting a book, War. I like war. <laughs> when did you become a Republican, Sabrina? <laughs> <laughs> drone strikes increased under Obama uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah I, uh, not sticking up to Republicans there I'm just saying literally all American politicians are awful <laughs> um, fact yeah. so uh, yeah so Sabrina smashes out a quick hey ho uh, Zelda has been inspired to wipe out war famine or take a bite out of crime she just can't make her mind up I'm awfully sorry but I feel like dealing with crime would have been easier to deal with than war so yeah. if you're going to deal with what you take a bite out of war or deal with crime, it should be the other way around. Mm. Just fact. No, no, Move no, on. no, Move no. On. That, that's true. That's true. It's always nice to know the nutritional value of uh, of uh, world issues. Yes, yes. Which one should I take a bite out of? Which one should I eradicate? Which one should I avoid? Okay, so famine, war, crime. Chris, snog, marry, or avoid? <laughs> okay, I would. Uh... <laughs> I would uh, marry war. Okay. Because it's passionate. Okay. Okay, I can yeah, see yeah, that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would probably snog famine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every answer is ridiculous. I don't like it. Snog famine! <laughs> but, uh, I would snog famine because uh, it should be perfectly you honest. You can suck the nutrients <laughs> off your, uh, yes, out too, your mouth. Too, too <laughs> you might have, have a bit of uh, leftover food in there. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of kale in my teeth. Yeah. And uh, finally, I would avoid crime because I don't want to die. Okay. Uh, Graham, obviously same question to you. <laughs> oh, bye. Um, War, crime, or... <laughs> War, crime, or famine, snog, marry, avoid? Um, I think I would... Um... I think I would marry famine because it needs it, need, it need it needs me to provide for it. Okay. Um, yeah. I would... yeah, but that's a drain on your resources. Oh, that's fine. I would I would snog war because oh, that'd be be a hell of a snog, and uh, and I would I would avoid crime because who, who, who wants crime in their life? So, okay. well, uh, yeah, well, Phil. Well, Phil. Same to you. Marry a void. crime and famine. Okay, well, going for completely different answers, I think I would marry crime because if you're involved in crime, you're very much married to the, uh, to the crime. I can be a mob boss's wife. I'm, I'm more than happy to be involved with that. I love how you're the mob boss's wife and not the mob boss. <laughs> I'm, I've not got the right mind for that. <laughs> 
No. I'll just take orders. I don't give them out. Yeah. Um, mm. I That's think, what she said. I think I would uh, snog famine in hopes that my um, my juicy kisses would provide the uh, sort of the water based sort of refreshments that uh, a lot of these. So you're saying that you, you you'd snog famine so you could donate your saliva, <laughs> and then that they could then famine could spit on the ground and in that. Uh, Gauze puddle, plant a crop. Yes! yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, avoid war. And if you're actually still listening to this, surprisingly, <laughs> what would you do? Snog, marry, avoid war, crime, or famine? Let us know. <laughs> Please do. Oh, there we go. Uh, what just happened? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that came from Zelda. Uh, <laughs> So yes, the Zelda's inspired to wipe out war, famine, and crime, not snag, marry, avoid it, and she can't make her mind up. However, uh, who cares about that because Sabrina and Harvey won the cutest couple competition, and they'll feature in Westbridge's tourism brochure. Sabrina's like, well, a catwalk um, thing where uh, she she struts down the uh, the runway table, yes, doesn't she? And she says, Kate Moss, eat your heart out. Oh no, wait, you don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck out, Republicans, Kate Moss, you just took one hell of a beating in this episode. <laughs> Smashing it there. Whoa, yeah. There we go. If that sends a message to our teens, it's all about puberty, eating your hearts, and... Not voting Republicans. Not voting Republicans, yeah. yeah. Yeah, vital, vital lessons. But, I mean, to learn. If you're a teenager, you can't vote anyway. Yes. So, that is true. But you still eat your own heart. You can. Uh, back in the front room and Hilda is struggling to complete her workout. That is until the Dominatron encourages her to finish, which she does with a smile. It also calls her a lovely lady. <laughs> <laughs> you are a lovely lady. Uh, oh, and he threatens Salem, saying he's going to be her coach and reap all the fame. It's alive! He shouts. This would make a great Twilight Zone episode. Oh, yeah. It would be a good Twilight Zone episode for the 90s. Uh, because you know it was all about you know sort of the, the the new technology of the time always or sort of you know the um, the, the mentality of the of, of the of the age uh, in which it was made and how that could escalate into something dangerous and mm-hmm. scary and yeah exercise culture like really kicked off in the nineties like the sort of gym culture that we have now it has its roots in this uh, time period uh, when Sabrina takes place. So yeah, the fact that you know you've got all this exercise equipment in your home and it coming alive to uh, you know you think it's it's self improvement and it actually makes your life a nightmare. I think that's a solid concept for a Twilight Zone episode. So I uh, really enjoyed the way this all uh, played out. And the episode could have been called the Dreadmill. On the landing, and the Spellmans are awaiting the magnificent cousin Susie, who eventually arrives with presents. Good cheer and a green warty face. Oh, I I genuinely thought, oh look, it's the Wicked Witch of the West. The Wizard of Oz has been referenced a lot. It was referenced in like Hocus Pocus. It was referenced in a couple of episodes of Sabrina. But we always thought we'll make well when Harvey brought up, you know, the episode where Sabrina told Harvey that she's yes. a witch temporarily for the day, and he was like, oh, but you're you've not got a warty face or uh, you know green skinned or whatever. And she said, oh, that's just a stereotype. But Obviously, that stereotype does exist in some families, some bloodlines. Well, yeah, okay. So, for example, 
the stereotype is there, it has to, the stereotype is always based on something, yeah? So if you take, for example, aliens, if I said describe me an alien, you'd probably describe a, sh a, a little-ish skinny man with a large oval head and big oval eyes, because that is the stereotypical alien that we're used to. Same with witches, it's got to be based in something. Just thought though, she's an, illeg an illegitimate daughter. So, so maybe thinking... Uncle Clyde actually slept with the Wicked Witch from The yes, Wizard yeah. of Oz. Sure. Possibly. Possibly. I mean... Or, if you're a bastard born out of wedlock in the witching world, you turn green. God, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, I think that's, maybe that's sanctimonious. Maybe that's the uh, that's the, the punishment, the spell. Yeah. Or some just could look that way. It, it could just be like, say, the stereotype's got root in something, but hashtag not all witches. Not all witches. Even hashtag not most witches. The other theory, I thought, is maybe she has turned herself into that sort of what we would consider, um, you know, sort of ugly, sort of alarming um, look uh, to teach people the lesson that That's, she's yeah. teaching Sabrina here. Just like, well, you know, you might think I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm this ugly hag, but you know, look, look at all this good I've done, and that just goes to show that it doesn't matter what you look like; it's what you do. Yes, yeah, because obviously her work, she's like a relief worker, isn't she? She's yeah. helping all those in need. So maybe she's like, well, if I make myself look really, really ugly, let's see if people still appreciate my. Help. Cousin Susie invites Sabrina to sit on the couch next to her, but she's uncomfortable and squeamish, so she runs off upstairs with a naff excuse. Susie follows her, and Sabrina refuses to look at her in the eye, repulsed by her green warty face, regardless of her lovely voice and wonderful behaviour. Susie realises that beauty means a lot to Sabrina, and promises to teach her an important lesson all about it. Downstairs in Salem is about to make some breakfast, or rather he would if the Dominatron wasn't planning to take over the world with the rest of the now sentient kitchen appliances. Loved it. Yep. Is the Dominatron like a god figure? Has he given life to these sentient I think so. Or, or is every appliance in the house magical? Maybe they've always been potting, but they're too weak and they were waiting for a, a strong leader to lead the uprising and now they've got one. It's possible. Yeah. Wow. And also this marks the first time and last time we ever see the back walls of the kitchen. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't miss that. Did you know? No, I say, I mean, it's fucking minging, so I'm glad we don't see it. But yeah, it's just... So, because you see the Dominatron from the other side of the kitchen with all the appliances yeah. all on the walls. But yeah, so for the first time we see one wall of the kitchen we've never mm. seen before. Cool. And we don't see it ever again. I don't think so. I mean, I wouldn't because it was disgusting. But They'd have to side wall it in, like, yeah. in front yeah. of where the audience presumably sits. So, uh, if there is an actual audience, it's not just recorded I don't know but yeah, uh, but yeah so there we go Salem runs off to tell Sabrina but she's just bothered about her face so she just fobs him off the next day in school and Sabrina seems to think that cousin Susie didn't do anything to her however she wasn't the focus was she boys it was Harvey because he's now got hairy face a monobrow and a massive wart Sabrina almost throws up in his face but darts into a classroom and conjures Susie into the room to plead with her to reverse the spell. Susie tells her that only she can reverse the spell once she's learnt the important lesson, which isn't yet. But Harvey is now a man-beast. He just looks like someone who has had a bad batch of puberty at the moment. <laughs> yeah, 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 like a really bad yeah. batch of puberty. Puberty drove into his face overnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but Huberty uh, yeah. did a hit and run on that boy's face. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he's just got a thick monobrow. He's got some, you know, some uh, face pubes and stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. bristles. Yeah, yeah. it's nothing too worried about. It's been just overreacts a little. Yeah, bit. just nothing a razor wouldn't sort out. No, exactly. Uh, we jog back home where Hilda is having a ball with the Dominatron, who just keeps encouraging her to better herself, while Salem is being tormented and surrounded by all the evil possessed appliances. <laughs> He's just sat on the table and like you've got a a, a waffle maker, yeah, a blender, a iron, an iron blender. Ah, there was steam going everywhere. My favourite was the waffle iron, which could, which when it just open and close and rock back and forth. <laughs> the iron just <laughs> and uh, Zelda walks in just rambling, and they all stop. She's <laughs> talking about, or oh, uh, she's come up with an idea to make a machine which will turn uh, anything into an edible protein. So the yeah. idea is to dirt into food. Um, and soon she leaves the room and just goes <laughs> all over again. And all of these appliances could fuck you up. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, they, yeah. They, they could burn and they could slice and steam. Yeah, they could they scold. Could, yeah, they could scold you, blend you. Great Ooh. stuff. Yeah. So it's all, it's all really threatening stuff, but I think only for really a cat because a cat can probably fit in these appliances and be well. They could because they're like the same size as him. And he's like between them, like they could like corner him, <laughs> which couldn't really happen with a human. <laughs> but he's yeah, he's got every every right mind to be to be terrified. Uh, we swing by the school where Harvey has just had a checkup from the school nurse, who after screaming told him to seek up medical help for his hair, hump, and rotting teeth. Each. Uh, so, and this is when people uh, people in the school start pointing and they're laughing and they're like throwing up in their mouths, and Sabrina doesn't know how to deal with it. This yeah. is like the first start of her test. So it's not whether... I mean, obviously she's repulsed by Harvey, but she's also wrote, like repulsed by the fact that other people are repulsed by him as well. Harvey mm-hmm. should have tried basketball. He should have done. Because as as the uh, documentary Teen Wolf shows... Oh, yeah. When you first become this hairy beast, everyone's like, oh, God, gross. Second you show sporting skill, you're a, you're a cult hero. And everyone wants a piece of that wolf, oh. don't they? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sabrina tries to seek advice from Zelda for Susie's cruel spell, but she won't have a bad word said about her. Plus, she was inspired to build the machine to turn dirt into food. Sabrina consults the magic book and a quivering Salem, but she remembers that when Harvey was a frog all the way back in season one, she had to kiss him to break the spell. So she runs off to find him and his hairy lips. Some good-ass continuity there as well. Yes, because she does a list, she says, when he turns into a frog... Uh, the bowling pin when he was ah, ah, ah. but it, yeah I mean it's great that she you know she lists off these events and it, it's good that as we said we love little callbacks to especially something like that, that was season one that yeah. was first kiss so you know it's good that we do get little little tastes of, uh, of what we left behind uh, downstairs however and Hilda has been imprisoned and tortured by the Dominatron and Zelda is trying to perfect her dirty food machine yeah. The domination kind of like shuts the doors that you could very easily step over, but not while you're running forwards. Jump over, but not while you're running forwards. You just stop running. You let it go and jump. Done. You probably have to push <coughs> down on the sides. It's got quite high sides yeah. and sort of yeah. lift your feet. That's probably what you'd have to do. Yeah, that's true. I'm just saying that there's a way to get off it. Just an Ian prisoner says like, "You run like a girl. I am faster. a girl. <laughs> faster, faster." <laughs> Uh, very fun. Uh, Sabrina stops by Harvey's house and he's ten times more gross. Uh, but she braces herself for a kiss and unfortunately nothing happens. She storms back home to ask for a hint from Susie, but she won't give her one, telling her some lessons require more work. 
As to Hilda's biceps as she's busy opening and closing those windows. It was in this moment Susie was out in that little courtyard vegetable growing area with all the animals. Oh, she's Much very... like Snow White. Yes. But there was a little tiny hedgehog. Oh, <laughs> so... I love a little tiny hedgehog. Little I... hedgehog, there was a birdie on a finger. Oh, oh, it was just, uh, it was like, if I, if, if I was a nice enough person, I'd like to think that animals would flock to me. I'd love it. I rather well, do when you've got chips by the pier. That's seagulls. They don't count. They're evil bastards. <laughs> okay. Well, I was mugged by a seagull, as I've uh, told you many times before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think you told it on the show, though. Stop bringing back traumatic memories for Graham, this Philip. Is, this is hashtag podcast therapy. Well, you know, um, Flandidno, a uh, seafront in North Wales, I yeah, had some uh, an ice cream, I believe, not chips, uh, on, the, on the pier there. And all of a sudden, I was whacked really hard in the face. I was like... Who the fuck? When I opened my eyes, Seagull halfway down the front with my... Uh, it was a proper drive-by. Like, walked me in the face as it uh, took, took my ice cream. I also once ran over a hedgehog. I've been haunted by it ever since. They are... Well, like, it's a little ghost. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just walked around the house. I'm a ghost. <laughs> but, uh... I'm a hedgehog. Killed a hedgehog. Yeah, unlike the, the um, entrance to my road as well. I, I I saw him going, I saw him crossing. I stupid and sort of anticipated the uh, his trajectory and was like, he'll be underneath me as yeah. I'm as I'm passing, he won't he won't be in line with any of the wheels. And then as I was going over just heard a thump and like, oh. And then that his corpse um, remained on the uh, on the road again. It's the end, end of the street where I live, so I saw him every morning for the next like week or so to remind me of what I had done. If there was a prison sentence for such a thing, I would happily have taken it. I just felt just just awful. Well, well you know what you've got to do. You've got to set up a hedge fund. For <laughs> <laughs> what, his family? <laughs> yeah. All I'm going to say, though, Graham, is actually you did the right thing. What, running him over? <laughs> no, yeah. You bastards! <laughs> no, no. Hope animals don't flock to you. <laughs> no, legally, on the like John Claude Van Damme being attacked by a lot of henchmen just being... <laughs> No, as far as I'm aware, legally on the road, you're not supposed to stop for animals yeah. smaller than a dog. Okay. So even, even if your car's still and, and like, <laughs> the animal's staring at you and you just go... <laughs> legally. Okay. You're not, not morally, supposed that's to fine. stop for anything smaller than a dog. Okay. Yeah. But that has got ramifications in terms of, like, how much traffic there is behind you, etc., etc. But if you were turning into your road, you should have stopped... You should have stopped, you should have got out the car, and you should have helped that hedgehog cross like it was an elderly lady. I, I saw him first. That's that's the inexcusable bit. I saw him first and I thought, ah, I've be got, right. I've got this. <laughs> and then I got him. <laughs> oh, 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 man. And, and again, for the second time in this episode, if you're still listening to this... <laughs> yeah, how and why... Uh, please, still... please send your thoughts and prayers uh, to... To Harry the Hedgehog. To yeah. Harry Hedgehog. If you're, if you're still listening to a podcast with a hedgehog killer... Don't hedge your bets next time, eh, no. Graham? Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that, that's a better one than hedgehog. <laughs> yeah. uh, Serena heads to the slicery where Harvey is stopped by for dinner after running through the woods, now looking even more beast-like with his longer fur, big teeth and mannerisms. Uh, he goes in search of a watering hole and, yes. <laughs> and to rifle through the bins, which is very, very fun. Uh, but luckily for Sabrina, the hunky new pizza boy Jake stops by to ask, to ask if she's single, and she says she is. Frosted tips, baby. Oh, that's oh, what yes. do about the frosted tips. Yeah. yeah. We've already talked about my frosted tips. Oh, they won't. I just had a bleached fringe. Uh, but yeah, 
frosted tips to a, to a degree, and I was always picking up chicks and pizza places. Yeah, yeah, Jake. Quintessent. I mean, Harvey to some degree, but I think Jake's the the other end of nineties hunk. Jake's the late nineties hunk. Mm. I think that's the thing as well. He's very much like a new model. Like you know, like um, I think Harvey sort of looks uh, very much sort of like that sort of mid nineties thing. I, I, yeah, I know. I'd absolutely he, agree with you. That. He rocked, he rocked the curtains, didn't he? Uh, earlier on, he's kind of moved away from it in more recent uh, episodes. Um, he represents season three, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. And the challenges that Harvey will face to hold on to Sabrina's love. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Whoa. It's all about frosted tips. Yeah. It's all about the frosted tips. Back home, and Hilda has had enough of the Dominatron's abusive behaviour and language, so she orders Salem to chew the wires to fry him, which he does, and it seemingly explodes, as does Zelda's machine, which will save the world. Salem got electrocuted. Salem very much got Salem electrocuted. Biting the wire. And still yeah. finding it tasty. Still finding it tasty, which is hilarious. But where he bites the wire, we get the sparks. We get Scalem. It was. We did get Scalem. We get Scalem. We get Salem's skeleton. Salem's skeleton flashing as the, the vaults shoot through his body. Great effect. Yeah, very much so. Uh, yeah, and again, an effect we've not seen yet. And that that's like a typical sort of kid's sort of special well, effect of someone a, going like it's a cartoon <laughs> effect though it's, yeah. it was brought it was brought into into the real world uh, wonderfully in that yeah. scene so uh, yeah so we choose the wires the dominator and it's like no dies and uh, yeah Zelda's machine explodes uh, with it loads of nuts because apparently the only I think the only food it can make from dirt is nuts well yeah. more specifically peanuts which yeah. taste awful <laughs> yeah it tastes literally like dirt yeah. because they're made from dirt I mean who did Who'd have thought that, you know? I was going to make a comment about the nuts, but it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was the... <laughs> Upstairs, and Sabrina is debating with Salem whether flirting with Jake was right or not, but ultimately she don't care because she's shallow now, and that man-beast in question stops by to drop off a rock-shaped like heart, a rock he carved with his bare hands. Sabrina invites him in to hang out, and they both invite us into another montage where they're getting on like a house on fire, just like old times. Love the montage. Many different aspects to it. Personal favourite is his leap onto the table oh. and his wonderful dance moves. Oh, wow. He leaps from the floor perfectly onto uh, the, the dining room table. And what, it's... What an athlete... What what rhythm and grace we've seen before his uh, his wonderful dancing skills a lot of dancing in Team Wolf as well uh, oh, another yeah, uh, yeah. another uh, another connection there also we missed um, what does there's a scene where Salem is um, being driven crazy by the uh, the demonic appliances yes. and he jumps onto Sabrina's bed and tries to alert her to what's going on and what does she say something about oh she says uh, she says oh Salem that's no more eating sardines and watching mystery science theatre yeah that's that's right so that's which obviously uh, is a nice little uh, nice little nod to a, a show uh, featuring uh, one of the uh, chief writers of Sabrina of course yes that's all cool um but yeah, so, so in this montage, he's dancing on a table. Sabrina joins him, but when Sabrina joins him on the table, it's very much a, let's have fun, but we're also safety conscious. Yeah, so they're, yeah. kind of, they're kind of dancing, but not too much, because there's two of them <laughs> on there now. Uh, well, I mean, David Richard's giving it all, and Sabrina and Melissa Joan Hart's kind of like... Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think she could have done anything else with the <laughs> amount of movement Nate Richard was giving it. Yeah, yeah. He was all in. I'm surprised he didn't pull anything. Like he would have pulled me if I was there. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Oh, um, you beast. 
Oh, they're also in the slightery playing uh, playing foosball. foosball yeah. And Libby comes over and he snarls at her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great, great montage. Yeah, she comes over like like you know snarling, you know pulling her face, and he literally just goes. <laughs> she fucking <laughs> legs it. Uh, and, and they have a- he, he scores a goal in foosball, bangs his chest, and howls. Yes, yes he does, and then yeah. later on. Sabrina does the same. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we're the same now. I don't care. Oh. And they have yeah. a little... Uh, it doesn't go with the music, but they have a nice little sort of cuddle slash slow dance, don't they? Kind of embrace and her arms are around him and they have a little little tender moment. It's nice. They also share a bowl of cola. Oh, yeah, a bowl yeah. of cola. A bowl yeah, like of cola. A bowl cola. of cola. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and ultimately it leads them to, uh, you know, to coming home and uh, realising how much of a wonderful day they had. Their day was so awesome that Sabrina had completely forgotten about Harvey being a man-beast. However, the real test is when Jake the Hunk rocks up to ask her out. But she confesses to him that Harvey is the best boyfriend she could ever ask for, just as well because Jake wasn't really Jake all along. It was Cousin Susie. It was Cousin Susie. A nice little sort of magic, and that was the real test. She learnt that beauty comes from within, and with that she transforms Harvey back to normal. Wow, what type of soap do you use? Oh, such a simpleton. She yeah. wouldn't get away with what she gets away with if Harvey wasn't such a dope. <laughs> yeah. She really wouldn't. I mean, bottom line is, mate, come on, get a grip. <laughs> You've got to realise at some point yeah. something's gone awry. Usually the spells mean that when they're gone, you don't remember or you yeah. don't realise anything was ever different about you, whereas this is one where he did actually think that... He does remember being a beast and he does think that literally... I mean, I, 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 well, I think when he was when he was pregnant, it kind of he made a point about it him being completely fine now the next day. But I think he just kind of thought he was ill, didn't he? Yeah, sort of yeah. thing. And I guess he did, he did here. But yeah, the fact that he could just have a wash and be fine. <laughs> <laughs> he literally washed his hands of it. Didn't yeah. He? yeah. Can, can I just ask a question? How many times has Sabrina been in this situation where she's had to make a choice between two guys? If that makes sense, there was the the, the ski resort dude. Yeah. Uh, there was friend the, of the show David Chikachi David Chikachi there was Chikachi, but yeah whatever well, Donald Fagan we friend of the show now weren't <laughs> a friend of the show uh, uh, Donald Fagan there was the, the oh the swimming pool guy yeah. So, so, doors, yeah sorry dude he's definitely not a friend of the show um, <laughs> I mean she's been in this situation I don't know how many times and 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 every time it's the same thing so just cut out the fucking middleman. What I'm saying is the story is being repeated. Oh yeah, it's oh a, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a constant go-to. Yeah. But then again, we've we've said before. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's not very imaginative. But as we've said before, like I think we, as cynical grown-ass men, over or underestimate. Sorry, how into the Sabrina Harvey romance the target audience was. Not to say we're not into it, you know, oh, yeah, they're yeah. very cute together and we always root for them, but much like, you know, you can... Hulk Hogan, okay. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, yes. You know, like, a, a, gr- a grown adult can be like, oh, well, obviously he's going to he's, he's gonna win, he's going to beat, you know, King Kong Bundy or whatever, but, I bet every, but every time the kids would have been like, oh, no, look at the size of that guy, oh, no, I don't think the Hulkster's got this one sort of thing. I think target audience possibly every time a new threat comes on, they're like, oh, no, I hope she doesn't go with him, I hope she stays with Harvey. Like, they would buy into that, I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And maybe it's because we're watching them so closely together. That as well, yeah, because yes. yeah. normally it would be a weekly thing. It's not a... It happens maximum about 
twice in a season, doesn't it? Maximum twice. Usually in a quite spread out. Usually one at the beginning and one at the end. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe it's because we're watching them so yeah. so quickly. And obviously you mentioned about Den- Donald Faison, obviously at the start of the season, because um, it suggested that this episode was filmed towards the end of the run because her hair is longer in this episode yes. than it is in the next one. So maybe this didn't really have a place. They just kind of moved it here. So maybe in half a dozen episodes' time, if she'd had a mm, will they, won't they, um, you know, will she pick Harvey over the new threat? There is family then, secret stuff in this, so which suggests it. Yeah, but that, to be honest with that's you. That's a whole season arc. Yeah, that's, yeah. It, that could have been placed anywhere. Because yeah. there wasn't, it wasn't like a big thing. Yeah. Just, we, we haven't even got to it yet. <laughs> just, just, just one of the many little clues. Yeah. 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 yeah, it doesn't matter which order she's given them in. No, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of the clues, this is when we uh, finally, in true season three fashion, Sabrina must receive a family secret with less than sixty seconds of the episode remaining. <laughs> uh, Susie hands Sabrina a whip. Well, it's a little late. Harvey's not a beast anymore. She could still find use for it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just boy, give him a couple she. more years, Sabs. Nice. He'll whip you into shape. And that's not all, because Susie also tells her that everyone has good and bad parts. So she gets an item. Again, I'm very confused as to how the whip will come into place. Uh, But yeah, also kind of a rule to live by that, you know, everyone, every witch specifically has good and bad parts. Yeah, like every every human has good and bad parts. And every rose has its thorns. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Thanks to Brett Michaels there for yeah, stepping just in. Yeah. Pop, just popping in. Cheers, yeah. Bob. Thanks, Cheers, Brett. mate. Colin, can you see him out, please? Yep. <laughs> see, he gets paid. Uh, the credits roll and Sabrina and Harvey are hanging out in the slicery. It turns out that they missed the brochure, but no worries because the real winners were Mrs. Papowski and her husband. She says at the start that he's just like John Travolta, but uh, if, short, short, if John Travolta was short and had no hair. Yeah. So we get this, this old and bald man in a Saturday Night Fever big... Uh, Big coloured uh, suit, loved it, loved it, and uh, yeah, just as uh, just as wonderfully as she's brought back into our lives, she must be she must be pulled away. This is the last appearance of Mrs. Papowski. That's not all. What? This is the last time we see the slicery. No! no! But where will the teens of Westbridge hang out now, Phil? <laughs> on the streets, Graham. On the street, doing the drugs. <laughs> This is what happens when you give no recreational activity for the ute is that they start doing drugs. Yeah, instead of getting pizza, they just get like heroin. heroin. A piece of those drugs. Yeah, they get they get a piece of that crack. <laughs> no, no more drinking coke out of a bowl. It's snorting coke from a sidewalk. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know uh, we we. Must... If Harvey had those claws uh, later on, he'd be using them as a coke spoon, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, unfortunately, guys, um, yeah, that, that marks the end of the slicery. Rest in peace. So. <laughs> well, there we go, guys. That is the end of episode 10, Sabrina and the Beast. Uh, what did we think of it? Did we think this episode was pretty beast? Yeah, I would say so, absolutely. Um, had some nice Sabrina Harvey stuff, uh, if you're into that sort of thing. It had many beast beasts in it, including uh, at least one... Beast Beast, a Beast Machine, a Beast member of the family, and many little Beast appliances. Yes, yes. indeed, yeah. And obviously, Salem's inner Beast. We mm-hmm. saw his skeleton. Yes. 
but no, I think it was a very good uh, episode. Uh, yeah, I get a nice. I mean, we'll get into the marking, but yeah, it's nice that it's still relevant to the overall story with the you know with the family secrets and stuff. But I think an, a nice important lesson for Sabrina to learn. Just refining what you said at the top game about this episode appealing to uh, you know like 13, 14, yeah, 15 tweets. year olds. Um, obviously, we don't like it when Sabrina reverts back when she comes as we've called a dickhead Sabrina. But I think this is one that can be excused because I feel like this is one that she's they've purposely made her into dickhead Sabrina so she can teach the younger audiences watching a valuable lesson. Well, they do it. <gasps> Maybe that's why they do it every season because you have new watchers of that age. Yeah, yeah, that could be an argument that one could make. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But I do think that on previous occasions they have sort of gone a bit too... Like, it's... It's too far down the sort of path of her being unreasonable and everything. I think the way she responds to Harvey and to um, and to her cousin in this episode is is um, a lot more believable. Because if you if you, as far as you know, even though you're a witch and even though you've met loads of witches and your your aunts are witches, the green warty witch doesn't actually exist. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you meet one without warning, you would be like, what? And if your boyfriend or anybody you knew all of a sudden sprouted loads of hair and warts, you'd be like, Wah. but you wouldn't completely disown them and be like, you're a freak, get away from me. And she doesn't do that. No. She's just sort of standoffish and like... She just finds it difficult to accept. She doesn't, she doesn't know what to do. You wouldn't know what to do, no. you know. It's so, I think she's, she's re- she stays relatable in this episode, which she hasn't sometimes in the past in the lesson learning um, sort of uh, storylines. I yeah. think that's, that's why this one works and didn't make us angry when other such parts have in the past. Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, if, if, you know, at the top of the show we said that, you know, maybe this episode can be used as a metaphor for puberty, if it's indeed reaching the target audience that we believe, Um, you know, young teens and stuff, I think it works perfectly well. Your friends, you know, the girls, the boys that you fancy are going through some wild changes, and literally overnight they can can change and it might be difficult to accept, but, you know, this is all about Sabrina telling you that they're still the same person despite the monobrow and the humpback. You know, they're yeah. still that same person you knew yesterday, just they're a little hairier. Um, so, yes, uh, so we might as well uh, give this episode a score, boys, because at the end of every episode, we uh, we now review each episode with some certain criteria. The, uh, the grades that we give them are based on magic, wit, creativity, and progression. So, boys, first of all, magic. Was this episode a magical one? I feel like there was quite a lot of magic. It was magic, 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 magic. It, it? Was, it was because yeah, yeah. Even from the start, we had a hairdresser magicked in. We had appliances alive. That's magical. Mm-hmm. And we obviously had Harvey descending into beasthood. Yes, which was a continuous, continuous magical journey. Yeah, it was magic out the wazoo. Every pot focused around it. Magic transformed the world of every character in this episode. It was among the more magical episodes of recent times, I would say, mm-hmm, since we started doing this uh, this marking criteria. It could even get a five, I would say. I'm, I'm happy with the five. I'm inclined, yeah, five. Every aspect was magical, including Hilda's workout. They finally heeded our advice. Every little thing they did was, was magic. magic. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. See you next Bye. week, folks. Oh, no, <laughs> so, about wit. I laughed at a lot of the physical performances. Mm-hmm. I laughed most at Harvey going, at Libby, <laughs> yeah. uh, which isn't necessarily a script thing as such. Yeah, yeah I think I think this was it was a it was a clever script in parts, but I don't think it was it was 
witty witty yeah what was it? it it was more I think things I liked more about it fall more into creativity yeah, I think definitely um, you know so for wait I'm happy a, a three a three yeah. down the middle down yeah, the middle yeah. let's go yeah Decent. cool creativity though uh, creativity on the other hand I think yeah again out of the wazoo again yeah uh, Wicked Witch Dominatron Electrocute in Salem for an episode that we didn't find laugh out loud and you know, I've, I've just very much enjoyed the episode I thought it was well put together See, and well yeah, acted the and... amount of themes that we covered I mean yeah well yeah it was a it was a it was a tour de force four I would say I'd say four and finally progression even though it was I think more for the audience as opposed to the actual story I do think again I like Sabrina maturing and we met another family member a more interesting family member and we got another clue to the family and secret two clues two yeah. clues sorry to make up for the ones <laughs> that we haven't got um, I'd, I'd say four four yeah, four. yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's 16 out of 20 Phil yay yeah so a good strong episode let's hope this next one can be even though boys spoiler alert <sighs> Things are getting festive up in here. Kill me. Uh, so, boys, this is episode 11, Christmas Amnesia. Let me guess. It's a Christmas episode. Oh, maybe. <laughs> um, Christmas Amnesia. Do you want to take this one? Well, or am I that, just... That, it doesn't... Yeah. Let me tell you, folks, a lot of Christmases I wish I could forget. Um, oh! Yeah. Oh, Christmas Amnesia. Yeah. A Groundhog Day type Christmas thing, Christmas amnesia, they keep forgetting it's been Christmas already, so they actually go all the way up until New Year just continually celebrating Christmas. Okay. Or oh, Sabrina gets hit in the head by a falling giant candy cane and she forgets the true meaning of Christmas and she needs to remember it in time for Christmas. Christmas! <laughs> uh, luckily, you're both wrong. Yay. With Christmas just around the corner, Sabrina accidentally erases the holiday's existence. Oh! <gasps> Well, it lasts. It's a miracle. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Our Christmas wishes have been answered. Uh, but no, so this this one seems like it's it's revolved around Sabrina's magic, that on, something only a witch can cause and only a witch can resolve. I mean, Christmas episodes of shows don't have to be by default bad. I can think of many good ones. Mm. So yeah, hope, hopefully they uh, they finally uh, hit pay dirt. It's a third time lucky with uh, these, uh, yeah. these festive episodes. And most importantly, hopefully this epi- this uh, Christmas one is better than the last Christmas episode because famously, the last Christmas episode almost cancelled this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. 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 Recording it in March hating the episode and being like I don't think I can do this anymore <laughs> but we got through it guys it, and now we're in season 3 it's got, it's got a very low bar to clear <laughs> it's got <laughs> it's, in fact it's got the lowest bar to clear yeah yeah, uh, yeah listen back to that episode because you can hear Graham's enthusiasm getting less and less and I think he says three words over the over as many minutes yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah do check that one out but yeah that is episode 11 Christmas Amnesia hopefully it won't be one to forget so yeah so that is episode 11 Christmas Amnesia uh, but as for this episode number 10 thank you very much very very much for listening to this one and I do hope you enjoyed it I've been Phil Dean and I've not been alone I've been joined by my bestest pals Mr. Graham Riley thank you you're welcome peace out and uh, very much thank you to Chris Evans goodbye darlings wherever you are please leave a nice rating and review for us on iTunes because the more times people review the more times people will see our podcast and listen to it which will be lovely Uh, do interact with us on social media boys where can they find us via Twitter Uh, at twitter.com 
forward slash what? What are you trying to say? At twitter.com Well, if you get put to .com slash Sabrina Watch, it will take you there. Yeah. So, mmm. They found us on Twitter at Sabrina Watch. And of course, if you want to keep a dead medium alive, then please send us a wonderful email. Please send us an email. SabrinaTeenageWatch at gmail.com we are proudly part of the Britpod scene, which is an independent website and network full of amazing British podcasts. So do join and follow us on uh, BritpodScene.com. And we're part of the Pod and Family, wherever you see us via that. Just tweet and share. And make sure that every little thing you do... Be is, magic. Is magic. <laughs> be magic! No, he said, make, I said sure that every, make sure that every little thing you do be magic. <laughs> it's grammatically incorrect. So, may every little thing you do... And remember... May every little thing you do is be... magic. <laughs> <laughs> no. May. So make sure every little no. May, <sighs> make every, may every little thing, thing may you do, do and then be magic. Be, it is yeah. be magic. Yeah. I wasn't wrong. Yeah. And remember, may every little thing you do be, be magic. magic. Got it in one. <laughs>